0: Here we go.
1: Jackson for his tight end, brought in by Mark Andrews, who escapes and goes all the way for the touchdown. Intercepted, picked up by Thomas. Earl Thomas with a foot race. Brown won't get him. That will be six.
2: Run your little options. Jackson keeps. Jackson breaks the tackle. He's right to the pylon, and it's a touchdown.
3: Hello, and welcome pod like a Raven Super Bowl week here. The Ravens, oh gosh, I, I'm, I promise you I'm getting, I'm getting over it as time passes, but the Ravens not involved, but we're still going to bring it to you. We're going to cover some uh, some Pro Bowl stuff, some Super Bowl stuff, run through some fun Super Bowl prop bets. Spoiler alert, Tim has the best one, so mm-hmm. we'll, we'll let him get to that one. But before we get started, I am Antonio Barbera, excited to be with you and I'm joined... By the aforementioned Tim Horsey, Tim, how, how you doing this week?
1: I'm doing okay. Um, clearly, there's some big news in the sporting world that we're going to get to. Um, that's kind of thrown everybody off a little bit, especially when you work in sports media. Uh, obviously, recording this on a on a Monday evening, and I'm sure Jace has the same thing. The office, uh, the office today was just weird. It was just very, very odd. Everybody was kind of thrown off their game a little bit. But that being said. Nice to get away from that for a little while and, uh, and talk some Ravens and some football. And hey, again, I listened to last week's podcast, me being the optimistic one. I'm excited for the Super Bowl. I'm, re- I'm really excited to watch these two teams play as an NFL fan, maybe not Ravens.
3: That's yeah. what's finally starting to help me is that that game is just going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Uh, and that'll help sort of be the last, uh, an end cap to the NFL season. But joining us also on the West Coast, as always jace evans jace how you doing over there
2: similar to tim it's been a a very busy uh few days um but likewise it's super bowl week we got media night kicking off just hours away at this point um and we'll get some great questions guillermo from jimmy Kimmel live will be there surely uh it'll be another fun time so excited uh to get going on super bowl week um you know it's the super bowl it's always great. So <laughs> uh, this year should be more exciting than a lot of years. So excited. For so it. speaking of, we're going to get to the game preview later
3: on, but let's just right off the top Super Bowl week. Uh, any first reactions from you guys? Any any of those uh, storylines that we talked about last week that that drove you insane uh, in that first week before the Super Bowl? Or what are you guys thinking about this game? Uh,
2: So actually, so far, I feel like I haven't been too inundated, you know, with um, uh. These hot Super Bowl storylines. Now, I, uh, when I read um, eight questions that Jimmy G gets asked uh, later this evening about uh, how he used to be in this game with the Patriots, uh, <laughs> I'll be a lot more angry. But so far, so good, actually, in that regard, I think.
1: Yeah, I was going to say the fact that we're recording before media night, really, <laughs> we're not inundated with this stuff quite yet. If this was if we were recording this on like a Wednesday or a Thursday, then yeah, that, then it would become a problem. Yeah, I'd
2: be like, oh my God, we need to just play this game. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, the only thing for me is sort of what, Tim, what you touched on at the beginning, just getting excited for a non-Ravens football game, which was a real struggle mm-hmm. uh, two weeks ago. It's an awesome matchup, the line being one point and oh. having like flipped back and forth already in the past week. I've looked at the matchups. I, I teased this at the end of our last episode that, These two teams just are going to match up so interestingly offense versus defense on both sides of the ball coaching strategies, you know superstars versus the collective Uh, And it's going to be an awesome game. So but we will preview that later We don't want to get into too many details because the first thing That say what you will the first thing we have to go over is the Pro Bowl, which was technically the last NFL sanctioned athletic event that happened and there were a lot of Ravens involved So we got to talk about it the Pro Bowl First of all, uh, did you watch the Pro Bowl?
1: Yeah, so, and this is kind of how I will tie, tie in, obviously, if, if you're in connected to the sports world in any way. You, I'm sure you know the tragic news over the weekend that uh, Kobe Bryant uh, has passed away um, at the age of 41 on Sunday, a helicopter crash, just d- devastating, uh, especially for guys our age, late 20s, as somebody who has been in, been in our lives for the entirety of our sporting careers or, or watching sports. But anyway, the, the reason I say that is because that news gave me a different perspective on the Pro Bowl. I was, I was at a bar watching the Maryland Terrapins game, which is right before him. About 10 minutes left in that game, this news starts flickering out. A guy next to me at the bar pulls up his phone and says, holy crap, look at this. And from then on, I don't remember what happened in the last 10 minutes of that Terrapins game. I couldn't tell you. I I know they won by one point. Apparently it was great. I was paying for wings and beer to watch that game and could not tell you what happened because of this news. And, and because of that, I was already going to watch the Pro Bowl because I wanted to at least admittedly have it on in the background so we could have a conversation. Um, if we didn't do this podcast, I probably wouldn't be watching it, although it was a nice last chance to see Lamar. Um, but then I watched it full volume pretty intently while doing some other work for my, for my job um, just to kind of see how the commentators handled it. And I thought they did. Uh, Joe Tessitore and Booger McFarland, who we've made fun of plenty of times in this podcast. I thought they did a pretty admirable job, seeing as um, the gravity of the situation and the sheer shock that everybody was in. Um, so, so, yes, I, long answer there. But, yes, I did watch the Pro Bowl
2: um yeah because of the bryant news um as you guys know also i'm a late sleeper so that i was awake for about 10 minutes when that broke <laughs> um, and uh so i did not watch really much of the pro bowl outside of the last final seconds in the fourth quarter um yeah it was just a, a most surprised Death, uh, kobe bryant you know, the most surprised I've been by any sports news, so I kind of just ended up on Twitter for hours until I kind of went to work just reading things and trying to figure out what was going on and stuff. So I admittedly did not watch uh, much, if any, of this game. So uh, we all uh, in terms of what happened, I believe, Antonio, you watched the most of this contest. So you might have to kind of enlighten us with uh, some takeaways. This man hosts a Ravens podcast and he didn't watch the Pro Bowl, a very
1: prestigious competition. Just tosses to his co-host yeah, to talk my, about my, the
2: game. My five-year streak or whatever it is of not watching the Pro Bowl lives on. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, just, just to wrap, you know, try to wrap up the, the Kobe Bryant thing and then talk about the, the Pro Bowl. It was, I mean, it's obviously it's devastating. It's, it's crazy because, as you guys said, this guy was a presence in our lives from such a young age. Even the other people involved. I mean, his daughter being involved in the mm-hmm. crash, and, and everybody else on board. It was just un like it's so. I saw it after that Terps game had ended. They did not announce it during that game. So then it literally transitioned from the end of the Maryland game to the Pro Bowl, and all of a sudden, this news was out. And so yeah, I was watching the Pro Bowl, but as you said, Tim, just sort of distracted, uh, shocked. I think the players were distracted by it as well. This became a thing where on almost whatever sporting event was happening at the time slowly all these players and teams across different sports became aware of it, and it just became sort of this, like, you, you know, it's it's a bit of a cliche, but, like, the sports become secondary, and it seemed like they weren't even playing as hard as they would have. You know, they were asking players during the Pro Bowl on the sidelines what they thought of the news, which I thought was crazy. Yeah. They interviewed Drew Brees, like, during a drive. Ask, not He wasn't on the field, obviously, but during a drive, asking him what he thought, which... That aspect of coverage, Tim, I think is really tough because it's it's really what player is going to have the right things to say in that moment. I thought it was sort of putting him on the spot. Yeah. Or it, he's not going to say enough, basically.
1: Sure. I, yeah. It's almost in a lose lose situation. And it's something, again, the, the legacy of Kobe Bryant and um, the in memoriam stuff. There's plenty of great podcasts out there to listen to. We're not going to we're not going to go too, too deep into it. Except for the fact that this this guy was such a transcendent figure and impacted such a generation of people, people that played with him, the guys that came up after him in every sport. You know, you saw the NBA guys. Everybody did. Again, another thing we're not going to debate. I don't it's tough that they played those games yesterday after the news. I know the logistics would have made it difficult to cancel, but I think you find a way. Um, doing like the 24-second shot clock, shot clock violations at the beginning of the game to honor him. Trey Young of the Atlanta Hawks, a guy who idolized Kobe growing up like, I don't know, pretty much every player that's in the NBA right now, uh, switching his jersey number to number eight uh, for that night. It, it, some touching tributes. Um, the coverage of the Pro Bowl was very weird because it was on two different channels. It was on ABC and ESPN, and rather than cut one of those to do like a breaking news report, If you're if you're coming for the Pro Bowl, tune to ESPN. This is ABC special report. Kobe Bryant tragically passed away again. Stuff we don't really have to get into because that's not the content of this podcast. I thought that was a little ridiculous, but you could see how tough it was on people. Lisa Salters, who was the sideline person, was crying, asking these questions. Booger McFarlane mentioned, as you mentioned, Kobe's daughter and, and another at least one other child was in that plane crash as well. And they're talking about that as parents and Tessitore cut him off and said, I can't do that right now. I can't talk about this right now. It, it was tough to watch. And, and, you know, all of us went to journalism school at Maryland. We're all nerdy about this type of stuff. We like to fo- I, I really get into the broadcast of the game, the presentation of a game, you know, working in radio, I really turn to favor some guys rather than others. We've talked about guys like Dan Fouts. So we can't stand, you know, and guys that we really like Kevin Harlan. Um, this was almost an example because of the impact that Kobe made. Is is like you said, it, it, it's also the Pro Bowl, but no one cared at that point. <laughs> I, I really was more interested in how not only the commentators but the the players handled themselves in in just an incredibly tough situation.
3: Yeah, it is really tough. It's it's sort of like a you know doomed if you do, doomed if you don't. Sure. In terms of bringing up something that's going to be really tough to talk about, but. As for, you know, as we, we'll talk about the game itself, uh, a lot of Ravens, which was cool to, to see uh, Lamar Jackson starting. It was very bizarre to see a Ravens quarterback starting <laughs> in the Pro Bowl. Uh, and it was also just sort of a microcosm of the season because I was just laughing. Uh if you look at the box score after the fact that Lamar was really just throwing the ball to Mark Andrews the whole time, (laughs) uh, which is also something you don't see in the pro bowl because you, you know, why not try throwing to guys that you don't normally throw to because it's a meaningless game. Mark Andrews had nine catches in a pro bowl with like, you know, 20 players playing on offense at some point (laughs) during the game. So it was almost a bit of a bummer to see Lamar uh, keying in on his tight end the entire game instead of, you know, being able to complete out routes consistently, but we're not gonna get we're not gonna get sad on this episode because I'm moving past it. But it was fun to watch Lamar. He had two touchdown passes, won the MVP uh, award. So I guess that'll be the second MVP that he wins uh, this season. This, certainly, this is the least important of the two. Sure. Uh, some other Ravens. Who, you know, Mark Ingram got a few carries. He looked good. They were all having a good time. It looks like if you want to take the psychologist lens here. Lamar looks really loose and relaxed, and he doesn't look, you know, still crushed by the Titans' loss. I know some people have started to say, Oh, is this guy going to, you know, start to choke because he's 0 2 in the postseason? His demeanor does not give that to me. I think he's already put it behind him, uh, looked like he had fun, and and is going to look to next season.
1: Oh, and that's a good point you bring up because it's something that we talked about with the Tennessee loss, is that it almost put too much pressure on himself because of what happened against the Chargers where he really, really took it seriously and and he felt like he had to do it all himself type of thing. It's nice to see him kind of loose. Um, You know, I I, I say that I wouldn't have watched this Pro Bowl. And like Jace, I haven't watched the Pro Bowl in years. And I say I wouldn't have watched it uh, if not for this podcast. I think I probably still would have turned it on because it was just really cool – seeing all those Ravens out there, seeing all those helmets. I mean, one of the best things about All-Star games, I love any All-Star game where part they wear part of their own jersey, so you get those mix and match ab- uh, amongst that. Like, you don't get that with, like, the NHL or some other ones. I mean, maybe you do now. I, I can't uh, remember how they do it.
2: Yes and no. You get the logos, but, yeah, the football is definitely the most unique in that regard. And the NBA, they're just literally just wearing All-Star jerseys at this point. So, yeah, yeah football's definitely got the most rep-your-own-team's gear going on. <laughs> yeah,
1: and I love that. And you see all those Ravens helmets there. It kind of is a reminder of how great the season was. Um, like you said, Lamar starting is just, it's cool, man. <laughs> it's cool to have your quarterback. It's not as cool as starting this weekend, but it's its, <laughs> it's pretty cool to see him out there with the best of the best in the NFL and everybody. Um, you know, it's another Lamar praise show, which... I can't argue with I'm a big fan of that. Um, you know, and, and then just another note, you talk about them being loose, Mark Ingram, clearly the life of the party uh, on the sidelines there. And Lamar during the game, FaceTime, Marcus Peters, who was the one Raven who decided not to attend um, FaceTime him and said, Hey, we're, we're, why aren't you here? Come down to Orlando. Let's have some fun. So really glad that, you know, this has given some of these guys a little bit of time, maybe to move on um, and kind of reset take some time off relax and then get ready as we get into these summer months to come back for the revenge trail
3: yeah you're so right it's a good sort of last nfl thing to have on your mind i needed
1: lamar again like i needed one more in the
3: offseason and for them to not have that as that last thing that they're just sitting around thinking of the whole offseason uh another just really quickly uh marshall yanda recovered a fumble earl thomas interception justin tucker Drilled a fifty-yard field goal. I mean, just such a well-represented uh, Ravens, Ravens. Ravens roster in, in this in this wholly meaningless game. Which we're uh, a little a little spoilers that we're not doing a what's bothering Jace, uh, but if we were doing a what's bothering Antonio, I would do a few minutes on uh, the Pro Bowl being a game at all because <laughs> I've watched like bits and pieces every year. I've never watched the whole game. But the tackling has just gotten—it's not a football game. It's it's like an exhibition uh, where you run plays. It's like a walkthrough, basically. There there are no tackles. There's nothing at all. The refs blow the whistle just whenever they feel like <laughs> it, not when there's an actual reason to blow the whistle to blow a play dead. I, it's kind of painful to watch in that respect. Uh, but, I, you know, there's no real saving— play to this because these guys do not want to get beat well, up. And I and
2: I get it. I'd say we're trending towards this game not existing, but it clearly still makes the NFL money. And as long as that happens, we're going to like get like a progressively probably worse played <laughs> football game <laughs> from what it once was. So, yeah, I, that's part of why I just could never really get into it is you're just like. Eh. At least now it's not after the season It is a little better, I think, being this weekend Rather than uh, the week after the Super Bowl That was really, I think, when it was fully meaningless It's still meaningless, but, uh, you know But like Tim said, and you guys said Very exciting to actually have Ravens there this year That weren't C.J. Mosley or, like, you know, Morgan Cox (laughs) So, it's good to be represented. Hopefully they're uh, they're not there next year.
3: Last bit on the Pro Bowl, Tim. What do you have for us?
2: I got a couple things. things.
1: Um, I thought the there's a rule that, you know, spoiler alert, I might disagree with you on a little bit uh, that they are trying to because, you know, kickoffs are going to be dead at some point. They weren't even in this game um, for onside kicks. They, are, they did this in the Pro Bowl. They might be implementing it based on what the rules committee decides in the offseason uh, for regular games. Instead of an onside kick, the, score, the team that just scored the touchdown or the three points or whatever it was, the scoring team, is given the choice of allowing the opponent to take possession at its 25-yard line or keep the ball and go for a 4th and 15 play at their own 25. Now, the hilarious part of this, and we can debate whether we want this in, in the normal NFL, the NFC did this. Good old Kirk Cousins went out on the field. They said, we need the ball back. Let's try this fourth and 15 play, which basically counts as an onside kick. He was intercepted. Um, (laughs) Kirk just going out in style, man. And AFC ran out the clock and and Lamar's boys were champions um, of the Pro Bowl, which (laughs) means something, I guess. What do we think of this rule? Because onside kicks, first of all, they're rarely successful for the team trying to retain possession. Clearly the NFL is trying their best to eliminate shots to the head, which onside kicks when I was growing up playing football, the job of some guys was to just go clear people out and not even to look for the ball. Head down, knock them out, and the guys behind them will scoop the ball up. I kind of like this rule. I'm not going to lie. The fourth and 15 try, especially, I mean, from from a Raven, right now currently with our current Ravens team, I wouldn't mind Lamar trying a desperation play to keep the ball. I think that would be fun. I'm getting some looks of disdain and dissent uh, <laughs> from, so my, from my from my co hosts So I'll give you guys the floor. I don't mind it. I really don't. I
3: think it's too much of an advantage to the team who gets the ball with a fourth and fifteen. The I offense think, going for the fourth a sport and fifteen play. Of You scoring and you having to give the ball to the other team exists for a reason. Do you I just here's what they would do on fourth and 15 try to draw pass interference and it's a league where any little <laughs> thing is pass interference. <laughs> That's a great point. That's and great you point. would just get the ball. Oh, got the ball because the defender didn't turn his back quickly enough on a like back shoulder fade. And then the team who's been losing just gets the ball. So I, I, I think it's way too much of an advantage. Uh, think of the percentages that you're flipping from what the onside kick is now. Uh, And by the way, this rule has existed for two years, I think, the updated onside kick rule. The percentage has already gone up. It was horrendous the first season in terms of the kicking team recovering the ball when you couldn't have the run up and couldn't have all the players on one side. And from the first year to the second, the percentages of recovery already went up. They're going to get better at figuring out ways to recover the ball, and you shouldn't be able to get it easily. Uh, (laughs) You're down You just scored. You have to kick the ball to the other team. So that's just sort of my you might have convinced
2: me, Antonio, because I was leaning towards Tim. I thought it seems fun. No one gets onside kicks now. But um, it is just a classic NFL thing of like, let's come up with more rules to address the rules changes we previously made. It was just like. Yeah, onside kicks existed because you could have these unbalanced lines and stuff. And like Tim said, you could just level people. We get rid of that for safety, but then it's like, how do you get the ball back? And I do like the idea of a four for the 15 because it does seem fun. But then you're right. There's just going to be controversy and then they're going to there's going to be a guy that gets interfered with. But because it's an onside kick attempt replacement, it'll be within two minutes and then we go Well, why aren't they reviewing that in the booth? And now we're all just mad online. So I think I'm actually back. I'm back with on D'Antonio's side. Uh, Just stick with onside kicks. (laughs) Get better at them. Young Way Koo in uh, Atlanta, he's kind of figured it out. Uh, Carolina's kicker hit a few this year. Um, So... Yeah, I think just uh, get creative. Uh, we saw Justin Tucker attempt an illegal drop kick at one point. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think innovation rather than the fourth and 15. Antonio convinced me.
1: Yeah, that's, that's fair. The pass interference thing would be infuriating. Um, and maybe from a Ravens point of view, teams, you know, knock on wood here to see if this all progresses as it does. Teams are going to try – and Catch up to us most of the time We're usually going to have a lead So why give them that advantage If you're looking at a pure Ravens <laughs> point of view So maybe I'm, I'm still I'm still going to go one way I'm still going to go maybe implement it Let's see if it works But I can see the problems with it um, A couple other Ravens notes Just to come out, come out of this Pro Bowl And not necessarily about the game But two guys who were there That I think we should talk about a little bit Before we get into our full Super Bowl preview And the best prop bet of all time Um Marshall Yonda has said that he will take his time to decide if he is retiring or not. Uh, Obviously, heavily rumored that 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 was his last season. I've seen some articles that maybe that spitting incident with the defender from the Titans, who I don't even care to mention because he's not worth it, um, might have fired Yonda up, the old Iowa farm boy, that he wants to come back for some revenge. You could see that. Uh, We don't. I, I don't think we need to talk about Yanda's legacy or anything yet until he actually retires. We'll, we'll get to that when that happens. But how important do you think that would be for the Ravens or how big of a, quote, addition do you think that would be for the Ravens if he stays?
2: I think he has. Well, yeah, I mean, not that he, he it's obviously his choice, but I think it's a big problem if he leaves. Because and I think you're just so young and inexperienced. We already have had concerns um about you know Bradley Bozeman at times Who I should say apparently my grandparents Met at church the other week and say he's a great guy So shout out Bradley Bozeman <laughs> But uh, uh You know we have concerns with him And you know Patrick Macari got pushed around a little bit In that wild card game Or in the divisional game And you know Matt is coming Off of tearing literally Everything in his knee it sounds like So who knows when he'll be good to go And I believe he's also either a free agent or his contract's coming up soon. So it would be a huge loss, I think. And I think something he would have to address one way or the other in the draft. Like, I just don't think there's an internal replacement um, or, you know, you could go free agent route. So, yeah, I think it would be critical uh, if he leaves. But, you know, he's a legend. So whatever he wants to do, he's certainly given his all to this team. So,
3: yeah, I mean. I think it's a, it would be a gigantic issue um, just because of what we saw happen in the last the last game that the Ravens played. All those issues that, Tim, that you had touched on in the offseason as the preview episode, preview episode sort of came to light. Uh, At the worst possible time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm stay positive. Stay positive. Um, and that is the weakness of the team is the offensive line. There's just so many unproven guys on the inside, specifically the interior of the line. And if he's gone, then you have sort of three spots that are questionable, you know, questionable spots. You're going to have to start paying the uh, like the Ronnie Stanley is going to come up. If you want to keep him, you're going to have to pay him. So like how many of these linemen are you really going to pay big, big bucks? So would love to have Yanda another year. Yonda, if, if you're listening out there, just just give
1: us one more one more year and you can try to get ring number two. Uh, another one yeah I'm kind of with you guys you guys have said it all so I'm not going to have to wax poetic about how important one of the best interior offensive linemen of all time is uh, I just thought it was an interesting thing that there's a little more hope because he said he's going to take his time to make his decision maybe he gets away from the game a bit realizes hey I missed this I'm going to come back um, another one just real quickly a guy who was at the Pro Bowl uh, Matt Judon it has been reported that And this was come a couple days ago, something that we haven't really touched on um, that I think deserves some consideration. Matt Judon obviously led the team in sacks, nine and a half, first Pro Bowl in his four-year career. Adam Schefter, among others, is reporting that he is a candidate for Baltimore's franchise tag and then trade inquiries from other teams, a la Jadavion Clowney, uh, this past offseason with Houston, then to Seattle, um, then Seattle promised him he wouldn't be franchised. They're most likely going to restructure his deal or he'll be a free agent uh, this offseason. Judon is going to be a guy. We don't have to spend a ton of time on him because I know we got to get to the Super Bowl. And he's going to be a guy we're going to be talking about a lot this offseason. What do you make to the the thoughts of tagging Judon and moving him on um, and, 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 you know, opening up another hole in this Ravens team? Yeah,
2: it, well, you just said it right there. It's fascinating because I think we all have our... Uh, quibbles with Matt Judon, the player, over the years. But I keep circling back, like, if you really let him go, who is rushing the passer? Like, I, you you might get some good guys, and we'll get into the draft down the line. There could be some good uh, defensive ends. Guy from Penn State, Etor Grossmatos, has been projecting kind of in that range. But uh, to just let him like it seems like you'd have to do us like a secondary thing it's like if you're letting if you're trading Matt Judon to you know sign Jadavion Clowney um maybe that's something you do but it seems like like you have to have a plan you can't just let you can't just trade this guy and then just be like we weren't great at rushing the passer so let's just get rid of the guy with nine sacks I I I, this report clearly comes from somewhere. So who knows if it's his agent or the Ravens tried to, you know, gin up a market for him because maybe they don't want to commit long term to him. But they also like we're like they learned from Zadarius Smith. They're like, we got to get something for this guy. So uh, I don't know. It's really interesting that that report came out. And I, yeah, as you said, we'll be talking about this, I'm sure, several weeks this offseason.
3: This just screams Raven's leak to me. I think this was absolutely <laughs> something where they just sort of spilled this out here as a way to drum up some interest in a guy that I don't think they're gonna pay. Weirdly, for me personally, this ties into Yonda i I think they have to keep one of these two players because they're both super important for their respective positions, like interior line or Russing the passer. If let's if Yonder retires, that becomes a spot that you need to devote resources to, and if that's the case, then you gotta keep. You can't have another set of you know another position that needs to get more than one player to fill the role. Uh, whereas the other way around, if Yonder stays a year, I'm very okay with Judon leaving, and then you just address the pass rush uh, for this season as something that they have to address.
1: Yeah, I think you wonder if. Wink Martindale famously blitzing over 50% of the time was his system, which I'm all for it, or if it's because of the lack of options outside of Judon. I mean, guys like Tyus Bowser and Sack Daddy Ferguson showed up a little bit, um, and you expect those guys to make leaps next season, but not as a premier number one pass rush type of guy. Um, The only other point on this I'll make is that um, I lamented Matthew Judon before the start of this year. I was not a fan whatsoever. I thought he was incredibly overrated. And part of the reason was because of the bonehead penalties and the stupid mistakes he would make. Those got cut out of his game. The question is, is that maturity or is that a man playing for a contract? Because as soon as he gets paid, all that stuff could come back up. Um, I, I I don't know the answer to that question. That's why... Guys like DaCosta get paid the big bucks to make these tough decisions. Um, but it'll be it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm kind of with you. Judon, I think everybody from the outside is looking and saying, oh my God, don't let him go. We won't have a pass rush. Don't let him go. We won't have a pass rush. Internally, I think the Ravens don't evaluate that way. They evaluate what is he worth and is he going to get just way overpaid on the market? This is how they do it all the time. They let guys go, even if it seems like that's going to make uh, that spot incredibly weak. They let guys go if, if they don't meet the market evaluation. Uh, and pass rushers come at a premium. Judon's going to get paid by somebody this offseason. My gut says it's not the Baltimore Ravens, but I'm sure down the line we'll be talking about that more later.
3: Any other uh, NFL uh, Ravens related news and notes, Tim? No, I think that's it for me. That's it. Let's, we should get to the big
1: game, man. Let's get to the big game.
3: Got a couple of small things to go over before that, as we as we do every week. The Random Raven. We're going to do this on a little earlier in the in the episode, um, and it's maybe because I picked a pretty hard one. Uh, you know, we've done several players now. We're getting a little bit deeper, uh, deep cuts <laughs> into the Random Raven, so this player's a doozy, but I'm going to try to give just as much information as I can for for you guys, and then we'll answer it at the end of the episode. So... First of all, I was inspired to choose this season's team from a tweet by our very own Jace T. Evans.
2: Uh-oh. Uh-oh. He tweeted a
3: video of Jamal. <laughs> he tweeted a video, a very safe video, of Jamal Lewis's 2,000 yard rushing season. And it was, I, I agree with you, Jace. An awesome video. Yeah. Everybody go to J7's Twitter account to find uh, It's like Jamal Lewis narrating his 2,000 yeah, it, yard season. It's,
2: it's part of the uh, NFL Throwback, will do these things they call Throwback Originals occasionally. A lot of times their channel is just kind of old game highlights, but this was uh, kind of old highlights accompanied with Jamal just kind of talking about them. It was really cool.
1: We just retweeted it at Pod Like a Raven as well, if you'd like to look that up.
3: So with that tweet, I was inspired by this, and this isn't too difficult. It's the 2003 oh Ravens season,
2: God.
3: <laughs> and I looked at this player, and this random Raven <clears throat> was a oh boy was a wide receiver on that team. That's already a lot of information, and I'm going to tell you why it's a lot of information. This could be like 50 guys though. <laughs> this player, <laughs> yeah. in this season, and I will give more information on him, but I just got to get this is incredible to me. This player was the number two wide receiver on the 2003 Ravens and only started five games. (laughs) Now you may ask, Antonio, how is that possible? The Ravens, in 2003, with Jamal Lewis rushing for over 2,000 yards, only started one wide receiver the vast majority of their games. They played two tight ends, a fullback, a running back, and one wide receiver. So as a result... This number two wide receiver only started five games and only caught 31 passes. God. However, he led the team in touchdown receptions that year with six. No other player had more than three. Yeah, because Jamal was getting all the yards and touchdowns. Jamal Lewis had 14 rushing touchdowns that season. Uh, Just to give more information, Todd Heap was on that team. He had only had three touchdowns that season. This player had six. God. In this player's career, he played nine seasons in the NFL. He played five for the Chicago Bears and was a, a believe it or not, a household name with, with the Bears. In one season he had 1,400 receiving yards. He went to the Ravens for one season in 2003 and then played three seasons with the Minnesota Vikings. I'm giving some more information. Oh so, man! His number. I, I wanted to mask it with other players, but I don't really know. If we have to get that, you know, s- secretive here. This player wore number 87, and once again played one season with the Ravens in 2003, where with one starting receiver, the Ravens went 10 and six, won the AFC North. And then we're devastated in a home playoff loss to the Tennessee Titans, which was another reason to bring never this, heard of that <laughs> this team this team back around. So that is my random Raven. If you guys are super stumped, maybe I'll add a clue
2: at, at the end of the episode. But I have a I have, name, I, but I think it's a different '87 from maybe a few years later. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I may know. I
3: almost want to cancel this player just so that as Ugh. one more clue. 'Cause he only played one season, Jace.
2: Yeah. So yeah, I think the no, guy you're guys thinking guys of there, played yeah. multiple
3: uh, years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it was a one year player. I have a name, but I don't think he played for the Rails. <laughs> 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 I'm I'm just basing it off the household name with the Bears thing. But now, nope. Now I'm thinking I'm it wasn't to, I the can't Bears. Even think it was of it a different was good
2: in the Bears like pre 3 That's the problem I'm having. Uh, we'll get back so, to this guy later.
1: This is a great one. <laughs> so only only three teams: Bears, Ravens, Vikings. He
3: had a very Full NFL career. He didn't really bounce around. I mean the Ravens for one season, but he
2: had pretty long tenures on two other teams. You said okay. fourteen hundred yards one year. That's incredible. So that's <laughs> right.
3: That was to be fair, this is gonna make it tricky. It was in the nineteen ninety nine season. So it was it was only his second year in the NFL and he had fourteen hundred yards, and then it sort of steadily. And fell we were off seven end.
1: years old. Uh,
3: It's a random Raven It's a deep cut I'm not expecting you guys To get it But it was too good Of a name to pass up He then left the Ravens And caught eight touchdowns Five touchdowns And four touchdowns This guy was just Just a red zone A red zone target And it's a super
1: Yeah you're gonna Random You're gonna have to Think of another clue
3: (laughs) So four now We'll move on The next segment That we were going to do This is where we would do Our what's bothering Jace Uh, But we got a great Listener Email, and so we're going to address it. And it's what's bothering the reader this week. The I should say the listener, not the reader. What's bothering the listener? And this is from our very own Chris Maine. Chris, thank you for listening. to Very own, to, as he's part of the Podler yeah, Raven family. Yeah. yeah, thanks for all thanks of our for listeners listening. are
1: part of the family.
3: Thanks for submitting uh, just a really hot question, uh, and I'm going to read it here quickly. And then, uh, frankly, I think I was the only one of the three of us that really dug into the question so I'm going to provide my response to you Chris and I'm going to unfortunately I'm going to disagree with you but I'm going to (laughs) respectfully tell you why I disagree so here is Chris's question the scenario a team is down by a field goal within field goal range field goal range with the clock under a minute and are in a fourth and manageable situation Teams seem to routinely take the safe choice and take the field goal in order to force overtime and leave it up to a coin toss to determine who gets the ball, only to lose during the opening drive. You trust a coin flip and potentially your defense that got you in this position to begin with more than you trust your team who currently has possession of the ball. Every time a team goes for the field goal, I hope that they lose on the opening drive just to further reinforce the idea of going for it on fourth and manageable ...when the game could be on the line. Going for it on fourth down has become the savvy and statistically backed decision, but if you really believed in yourself and your coaching ability, you should know that your team can get the job done when their backs are against the wall. It seems that more and more teams that elect to go for the game-tying field goal instead of the win then lose the coin toss and do not even get a chance to possess the ball. The question, are you for or against the decision to take it into overtime with a field goal when your team is driving with time expiring, and they are left with a fourth and manageable. Don't trust the—Chris's final line, don't trust the coin or your defense, audit the Fed, go for the touchdown. (laughs) Words to live by by Chris May. Chris, thank you for that email. You know, we we love all all emails from you guys. If you have other questions about game situations, please bring them up. Chris, I'm going to give you the reasons why I disagree with you that these teams should, in fact, I think they should in fact be kicking the game-tying field goal, or at least this is why they do it, as opposed to try to win it there. Number one, the human element. Coaches will avoid making mistakes that will make them look bad. I guarantee you that is an issue in the NFL outside of maybe three of the longest tenured coaches. When a coach is presented with option A, almost certainly tie the game, and B, potentially lose, They will choose the tie to protect themselves and their job. Mm Guarantee. Number two, with each team getting a chance to possess the ball in overtime, barring a touchdown, I think more coaches will kick the tying field goal than they did in the past when overtime was sudden death. The odds of a touchdown being scored on a single drive is well below 50%. So you take the tie, you take the coin toss, and then overtime where you're very, very likely to have a chance to win the game or tie the game at some point in overtime. Number three, the idea of fearing to put your defense on the field because they've gotten you in this position, that's relative to every game. If the game was 10-7 and you kick the tying field goal, I think you're thrilled to have a tie game and you're dominating D in overtime where even if the other team gets the ball first, your D's been solid, you're probably going to get a stop and flip field position against the odds of a fourth down conversion, and then you have a turnover on downs and the game is just over. Number four, in your question, a lot of this is situational. Fourth and inches from the five-yard line down by three is very different from fourth and 15 from the 25-yard line. But in that sort of in-between, in that gray area, I think coaches will opt for the safety of a guaranteed tie and a new game in overtime than a slim chance to win and this is why. When figuring out the math on going for it on fourth down, you have to take into account that going for it and succeeding does not equal a touchdown. It only equals a first down. So you're now looking at maybe get a first down versus almost guaranteed to tie the game, which looks pretty clear to me. And fourth down and seven from the 20-yard line, I'm taking the field goal as opposed to maybe getting a first down and then you're in the same exact situation where you still have to try to score a touchdown with under a minute. Those are my those are my <laughs> takes.
1: I, those are my points. That was poetic. <laughs> thank you. Um thank you. I would I would only add a couple things. Um the situational thing. First of all, I don't think he mentions that the defense is really good. I know you you put that in there in your The only thing is Trusting your defense when they got you in that situation. Well, when they got you in that situation, meaning that you're down, I, I guess what he said.
3: Right. So And, and, and that your defense did negatively. Yes. That's how I read that. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Okay. But if it's a low-scoring game, they haven't played poorly. True, They've true, true. Long.
1: Okay, sorry. I must have missed that point for a yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this is all situational. Um, first of all, field goal kickers have never been worse. <laughs> so that might be a that reason is- for going for it. Why trust the kicker when he's going to, you know... Hit, hit a chip shot wide left and then you're screwed um i think depends on who the coach is the analytics will tell you to always go for it on fourth down john harbaugh now analytics super fan number one <laughs> um or you get a guy like jason the clapper garrett who doesn't have a job anymore finally because he was too um, conservative all if of by the time
2: not having a job you mean offensive coordinator for the new york giants sir <laughs>
1: <laughs> i meant i meant head coaching job but yeah that's Wild to me, good luck Daniel Jones Clapping
2: furiously when Daniel Jones gets Strip sacked for the third time by Chase Young In a Redskins Giants game next year Pretty much
1: (laughs) Um, I I think this is one of those things And it sounds stupid But this is not why they play it on paper Or via email questions It all depends on the moment It really depends on the situation It depends on how your quarterback's been playing all day It depends on who you have back there if you got Brady, old Brady, um, if you got, you know, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Patty Mahomes, maybe you're trusting that guy and just saying, screw it. If you have job security, if your team is very good or you have a big contract and you and you know that the front office, the owner, the, the organization trusts you to make these calls, maybe you go for it instead. Um, I hate to be kind of the cop out answer, but the reason I can't answer this definitively is there are so many factors. The human element, not just the keeping my job, but maybe I need to be more of a risk taker. Maybe this is a must win game for us. You know, maybe this is to get into the playoffs or to win the division, whatever it is. Um, I think there's too many factors at bay to to really determine a definitive yes or no. I, I, the reason why most people don't go for it, if that's your question, I think Antonio's point number one is the big point is the human element. Cause a lot of guys, I mean, I talk about job security. There's very few people in the NFL in its entirety that have any job security. Uh, so most of them, yeah, are looking to save their own skin. As it were.
2: Yeah, that's exactly what I, uh, cause well, Hey, I have always thought about just kicking the field goal cause I'm a coward and, uh, have been <laughs> scarred by Ravens teams that also have Justin Tucker. So I'm like, well, oh, he'll make it. um, but I I completely agree with you. It's a fascinating kind of case study and just sort of, um, you know, like coach, uh, just coach brain and how the idea of winning games is kind of in competition a little bit with keeping your job. Like it makes sense on paper, I think, to like what Chris is saying to like be aggressive and go for the win. But then, you know, the kind of media age we live in, that doesn't work. And then everyone rips him on social media, when he said you could have extended the game, but you cost your team the game by trying to go for the win. And then, like you said, Tim, your coach, you're the first guy fired. You know, they always say In NFL, you can a little more, but they always say you can't fire the players. Uh, and so, you know, the coach and the GM are often uh, not on the same page because. They're both trying to preserve their own jobs. And so I think that, yeah, just leads to really conservative by the book. Like you kind of said, you see bad teams at the end of the season, unless you're Bill Callahan, um, uh, interim coach of Chris's beloved Redskins, that, uh, you know, you see like John Gruden went for the win in the final seconds against went for the two point in the final seconds of uh, Oakland's game against the Broncos. That wouldn't have changed anything. So it's it's very strange that coaches don't get aggressive until after it's too late <laughs> in the year. But, yeah, it's all seems seemingly just a kind of exercise and self-preservation. The last thing I'll bring up just to
3: further add possible situations very quickly if there's a minute left and the clock is stopped and you decide to kick the field goal to tie the game and the other team has three timeouts left, the odds of them then being able to drive down the field and kick another field goal sure. in that minute to win becomes even. So I think a lot of it even depends on how many timeouts does the team that's currently ahead have when you have to make this decision. There's so many things to go into it. But for me, the biggest one ends up being that even, even if you succeed, you don't have a touchdown, you only have a first down. Chris, thank you for that email. Please send us other situations. We'd love to uh to dive into these and and maybe we'll uh I'll, I'll we'll pawn this off and we'll have somebody else uh, take the lead on this situational NFL problem. Uh but now we have something more important to talk about, and that's the Super Bowl. That's 49ers against the Chiefs in Miami. Guys, let's just dive right in. Who wants to who wants to take a uh, Opening thoughts on the Super Bowl.
1: This game is going to be awesome. From an NFL fan's point of view, you got this hard-nosed defense, front four that you talk about not having to blitz over 50% of the time. It's the 49ers because they can just send that mean front four at you, chasing the defending MVP until Lamar gets crowned. Patrick Mahomes, who is on fire right now ever since uh, being injured on the other side of the ball. You've got this brilliant running scheme that the 49ers have made running the ball sexy again, I guess. Like the Baltimore Ravens this year is one of the main narratives coming out of this season. Um, George Kittle, a beast not only catching the ball, but blocking. If just, just watch 85 go after dudes on that defensive line for the Chiefs. He is going to be a monster all game. Um, I, I'm just... The Chiefs defense, kind of resurgent. D. Ford, actually, he's on the other team now. I keep forgetting that he's not on the Chiefs anymore. He's going to be in this game. Um, Terrell Suggs, obviously, for the Chiefs. Uh, The defense, not necessarily a weak point anymore uh, for this Chiefs team. Obviously not their strong suit. That would be the offense. The matchups are weird. You feel like you have advantages or strong advantages in particular ways, but then those flip both sides. I think, and we'll get to this later in the picks I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna flip two or three times By the end of this podcast about who I'm picking I cannot decide Um, I just, I think it's gonna be incredible I can't wait to watch Jace, what are we looking for, yeah. man? What's the number one thing you're looking I, for?
2: I are, I am with you, I already, uh, have flipped my pick Just in the making of our picks and attempt to do props So, uh, yeah, um It's just that I think what we just talked about is Strength versus strength you know We have the Chiefs offense Versus uh, The 49ers defense that I think thanks in part to that front four Was in the regular season The top unit against the pass um, In terms of Yards in the NFL they only gave up 13 TDs all regular season You know they've been absolutely Locked down here in the playoffs Um I think that's really the the side of the ball I'm going to have my eyes on. It's got to be... I I think that's fascinating. And we'll get it... The other side, obviously, we'll... You know, if the 49ers can run the ball, we'll kind of, I think, determine if they can win. But... uh, I think the real chess match is going to be that Andy Reid kind of Patrick Mahomes led offense just against, you know, Richard Sherman. The uh, the 49ers linebackers can cover like about no one else can in the league. So they might be able to get a handle um, on Travis Kelsey in a way a lot of teams haven't been able to. Uh, And then, yeah, just that front four against that pretty solid Chiefs line. If they can get after Patty Mahomes and, you know, run him around a little bit. Pretty mobile guy. But um, I don't know that they've necessarily gone up against a, a front four that's this. So it's going to be awesome. I I, I don't want to sort of uh, put myself into
3: a corner here, but I almost think who scores the first touchdown is is going to dictate this game and is going to have a tremendous advantage and will be the like. I mean, it's easy to say who scores first wins, but just how the matchups work in this, if the 49ers score first, And if they're running, it's probably because they're running the ball effectively. They're just going to use that formula. And then on defense, the 49ers can sort of pin their ears back because they know it's going to end up being Andy Reid's going to let Mahomes air it out if they're down. If the Niners cannot score first, if the Chiefs are airing it out and everything's flying all over the place and they have way too much speed... And they score first the 49ers cannot chase them in this game That will never be a game that the 49ers want to play in and I don't think Garoppolo has made enough throws uh, over the season to prove that he's that guy that can bring them back down you know down 14 in the second half kind of thing um, so I, I, the, the issue is if the 49ers get the ball first, I don't see how they're not going to well, run the ball. And, and that's especially what's
2: especially early fascinating is the chiefs what they do worst on defense is stop the run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so well, it's, it's almost it like so I,
3: I've, I've accidentally run into Chris Maine's argument about trusting the coin toss. The coin toss may impact this entire game. If the 49ers win the toss, I bet they want the ball so that they can just dictate the ground game. Yeah. And Chris, you may have, you may have just worked me into, into a knot here. I, th- I think I'm a pretzel. It comes down to the coin toss.
1: Yeah. I, I think this game more than any, Super Bowl in recent memory is about which team starts the fastest. Uh, we've made the jokes about the Chiefs. You know, they thrive on the slow start. And then they're like, oh, crap, we're down by 10 points. Time to get going. They were down big to the Texans. It was a competitive game against the Titans, who they were clearly superior uh, or better than, I should say. This one, they have to get off on the right foot. The Chiefs defense... Fourth worst defense in rush yards per attempt in the regular season, giving up almost five yards an attempt, 4.9. Only Carolina, Jacksonville, and our beloved Cleveland Browns (laughs) were worse. They did hold Derrick Henry to 69 yards in in the AFC title game. I think this is completely different. I think the Niners have guys that can attack you at all different angles. Their offensive line, I think, is better than the Titans' offensive line. They do different things to confuse you. It's not just... They're going to run Henry up the gut, and you're going to have to try and stop him. You're you're going to have to be attentive to different guys. Um, you know, three different running backs there. If Tevin Coleman's playing, uh, apologies, I'm not too sure what his status is, but if he's if he's any sort of healthy, I'm I bet he's going to play with Breida and uh, Mostert as well. Um, they do things with like Devo Samuel getting balls on end arounds. It's weird because in my head, I see the game plan working out for the Niners. But the problem with this game is that I agree with you, Antonio. It almost has to work to their game plan entirely for them to win this game. There are there are a lot more different. There are a lot of dif- a lot of different scripts, excuse me, of this game. A lot of different ways this plays out where the Chiefs win. Chiefs are down 15, and then all of a sudden they're just gunning the ball. And for some reason the Niners defense can't stop Patty Mahomes. Like when when Patty Mahomes is Patty Mahomes, I don't care who you are out there, you're not going to stop him. But I'm almost more confident in the Niners game plan, and I think Shanahan has learned the 28-3 lead. It's a storyline we're going to talk about. When he was the offensive coordinator for the Falcons, he blew that game because he did not trust the run game at all. Now he has completely revamped his run game to this completely unique and new style, and he doesn't necessarily trust his quarterback. I think he's going to know that if he gets any sort of a lead, the best way— to win this game is to trust that run game. Even if even if there's a couple times when they only get two, three yards and it's not the big chunks, I think he's gonna be patient and be able to work, um, be able to work that defense for the Chiefs, be able to work that clock as well. But like you said, Antonio, that all goes out the window if the Chiefs go up two touchdowns early. Uh, I think they'll I think they'll stay consistent to the run game, but the more that ticks down, the more that ticks down, you have to trust. You have to trust uh, Jimmy Garoppolo to make a play. And I don't know if I believe that he
2: will. And and yeah, he's who the game, I think, hinges on. He had some big moments, the game uh, for the 49ers in the Super Bowl. They had that they come back against the Cardinals kind of late in the year. He uh, was another good one for him. But yeah, the game hinges on because I. I'm exactly with you guys. I've gone back and forth on this 10 times, and I started... I want the 49ers to win so bad. I want them to just go out and run and run and run. But I don't know. Even though the Chiefs' run defense isn't, like, great. It seems simplistic. I think it just comes down to it's the Super Bowl. Who has the better quarterback? And I think the Chiefs kind of have a decided advantage. And I'm with you guys. I kept just... When I initially wrote down, I had the 49ers, but the same thing. It just seems like there's more scenarios where the Chiefs win and that um, they're better. And the Chiefs pass defense, pretty solid. We talked about Honey Badger. Um, I believe, Tim, you uh, were talking about him uh, last week. Um, And so if they have to get into a pass, yeah, that's where they're in trouble. And it. Like we said, it's fascinating. It's strength versus strength versus strength versus strength kind of uh, <laughs> through up and down and weakness against weakness uh, sort of throughout this game. And uh, it, it'll kind of just be who cracks. But I think I just keep circling back to the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes and the 49ers don't. and I think that might just be enough. Jace, I mean, and Tim, you both have flipped back and forth,
3: as you said, so have I, different days about who I liked. Mm-hmm. My, my one, I was about to say my final thought, my, like, penultimate thought on this game was, well, Chiefs offense versus 49ers defense should be a ball game. And 49ers offense against the Chiefs defense, the 49ers have a clear advantage. Yep. So with that, I was thinking, well, that I, you know, with, without me deciding, there's my pick. It's it's clearly in front of me that the 49ers should win this game because their advantage, you know, quote unquote advantage seems wider than the Chiefs' advantage offensively. And then Jason said, but wait, Mahomes. They have Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> he was banged up earlier in the year. That's when they lost a few games. And then by the time he really was back in the swing of things and healthy, they won one, two, three, six. 8 games in a row, I think it is. I mean, so you can't how can you bet against the what we unfortunately agreed on last week is the best player in the NFL winning 8 games in a row. Everything's clicking, he can seemingly score points at will.
1: Yeah, it's weird too. Um, a couple stats for you real quick just cuz we got to throw these out here. 49ers defense is tied for first in yards per play given up in the regular season, less than five yards per play, and only 29% of drives against the Niners defense ended in an offensive score. Less than a third of the drives ended in an offensive score. That's that's three points, that's six points, that's whatever you want. That's third best in the league. Again, Patty Mahomes is a different animal, but that defense is is incredible. And I think if they can limit him enough, if they if if Richard Sherman and the guys on the back end can cover the Olympic sprinters that are the wide receivers for the Kansas City Chiefs then I think that they'll be okay we'll have to see Um, real quickly too another thing is the coaching we talked about Shanahan Andy Reid an absolute legend a hall of famer in my opinion especially if Bill the chin cower gets in now which doesn't make any (laughs) sense to me but different topic does Andy Reid screw this up I it, he's known to do it. I think it's it's a it's a bad narrative. I don't think it's necessarily completely true, but his clock management is isn't always the best. And against a team that
2: all they want to do is manage the clock and the 49ers <laughs> that could come up big on Sunday. Yes. Uh, one of these coaches is getting uh, talk about storylines. We won't like out of the Super Bowl. One of these coaches is going to really be uh you know crucified for their super bowl because it's either shanahan loses the super bowl and also has 28 three uh and we still talk about how he's just a daddy's boy kind of even though he's a 40 year old man and uh um or yeah andy reid loses again uh I fully expect Andy Reid is possible of screwing it up, Tim. Uh, He has I mean, he's a 60 year old guy who hasn't proven in his over 20 years as a head coach now that he's (laughs) figured out clock management (laughs) in a meaningful way. Um, So there's definitely, I think, room for that to uh, occur. What I think is
3: and I just thought about this, the way that. A clear way I could see the 49ers winning this game, and it's just the more I look at it, the more I'm uh, freaking out. Yeah, this game looks a lot like the Super Bowl in 2014, and I don't know the number of the Super Bowl, but the one I'm talking about is Broncos against the Seahawks. Oh, the Peyton Manning Denver Broncos offense was this high flying machine that could score on anybody, put gigantic points, and then they went against a really, really, really good defense. That also had Richard Sherman on it, <laughs> and they basically got punched in the mouth by a defense that was better than everybody thought it was. The Seahawks ran the ball. They had Marshawn Lynch uh, ground and pound, and then their defense did the rest against a like just overwhelmed, potent offense of the Denver Broncos, and the Broncos got blown out in that game 43-8. to But guess what? Seattle scored first in that game, and, and that's what dictated that whole— game frankly that the broncos then were just chasing against a really good defense so boy i i want to put money on the coin toss is there any <laughs> as we're going to pivot to prop bets here in a second but i want to bet on uh whoever wins the coin toss there's wins a, this game there's because probably I think be certainly
2: some prop bet you can place on that in uh international waters perhaps <laughs> <laughs> so you know what unless you guys and feel free to keep
3: sprinkling in you know game you know other aspects of this game but let's get into uh some of these prop bets, we, we sent some links around a very long lists of prop bets. Some are fun, some are just run of the mill, uh, and we're going to run through a few of them. Um, we've each done three, so I'm going to do two real quick that are just sort of the standard ones, uh, and I'm going to save my sort of random one. So we'll each do our two in-game prop bets, uh, and my first one is just MVP. Mahomes is plus 105. I think it's crazy that you're getting money. I mean, I know obviously a lot of players can win MVP, but if the Chiefs win, there's only one player that's going to get it, and that's Mahomes. If the 49ers win, there's three or four guys that could legitimately get it. So just on that math alone, with this game being so tight, uh, I think there's an advantage there to pick the guy on one of the teams who's definitely going to win if that team wins it. And then my other one, uh, Kittle. Is it George Kittle? Is it Greg Kittle? It's George Kittle. Dan Kittle.
1: It's George Kittle. George
3: Kittle. Listen, I think he's very good, but the line for him for receiving yards is 70 and a half. Ooh. And if you go under 70 and a half, you're getting plus. Again, it's plus 105. I think he catches six, seven balls, and I think he ends up in like the 50, 60 yards.
1: I think he blocks very well, Tim. I think he manhandles people. All he needs to do, though, is destroy a few people <laughs> like he did in the Saints game and rip off a 40-yard run. For,
3: you know, I I think that number's a little too high. Uh, I'm taking the under on the 70.5. I,
2: I didn't write uh, that one down, Antonio, but that one intrigued me because, yeah, if this game plays out how the 49ers want... Jimmy Garoppolo will not throw the ball much at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> he may not throw he, for 70 yards. Yeah, even with uh, George Kittle, you know, uh, being one of his top targets, if he throws it 10 times, <laughs> which I don't think they'll do. And actually, uh, I could use that to pivot into my uh, uh, my, uh, my pr- some of my props. Uh I threw this one in too. Mahomes getting plus odds as heavy peas and to me, so I feel like that you're like losing money if you don't <laughs> put something on that one. Because uh, if the Chiefs win, yeah, he'll win it. Um, but one that intrigued me was Jimmy Garoppolo over 29.5 attempts uh, at plus 115. Um, and the basis of that is, and this again, I don't I. I went back and forth 10 times and then decided to lock in on the Chiefs. Spoiler being my pick. Uh, So I went in with the concept of the Chiefs winning this game and the 49ers being down in this game and Jimmy Garoppolo having to pass. And so if things get away from them and he has to throw it, there's no way he doesn't throw it 30 times if they're ever behind, I think. Uh, So I went with that, uh, the plus odds on the uh, over twenty nine point five attempts. A really weird one I enjoyed and took was uh, Damian Williams under three point five receptions at plus one ten. Chiefs running back. He has never caught more than six passes in a game this season, and it was in his first game uh, of the year. So, um, you know, three point five. I don't know. I think, again, if. The Chiefs are in the lead. They'll be wanting Damian Williams to run the ball and not catch passes. And I think, uh, you know, Kelsey and if they can't get a handle on him or Tyreek Hill, I just don't see a ton of dump offs. Andy Reid does love screens, but uh, I still don't see, I don't know, four receptions for a running back. That's like their eighth option doesn't seem a ton to me. Um, and then just uh, the final one that intrigued me was, you uh, Raheem Mostert, longest rush under 14 and a half yards at plus 110. And now this is, again, based on that's a long run. Uh, You know, you really have to bust one. Even if you're even if they have success running the ball, he might not have a run longer than, you know. 11 yards sometimes like and this is also based on even if he breaks through, we got the honey badger swarming, as uh, Tim was talking about last week. Put wrapping him up before he could get to 15 yards. <laughs> so um, this was just an intriguing one. This one, I think's the least likely to happen, probably. But uh, um, it was also one that I enjoyed. So I went with it and it was interesting to me. And it kind of plays into my concept of if the 49ers are behind, they might have to abandon the run to some degree or the Chiefs might be able to key on it more. Um, so I went with that one.
1: Yeah, yours are all very much the situation of this, this going to the Chiefs plan. Yeah, if it doesn't, <laughs> um, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jace is losing a lot of fake I money. Am,
2: yeah. Might, money I'm not might I, have,
1: I have two on the field, and then I have a quick one off the field, and then uh, the best one off the field. Okay. Um, will San Fran have a rushing TD? Yes is minus 150, which means you have to lay 150 to get 100. But – I still don't think that's long enough odds for them to have a rushing TD uh, in this game at all against this Chiefs defense. It, which weird to me is the Chiefs getting a rushing TV, TD, yes, is minus 230. So they think that's more likely than Sam Fran getting a rushing TD. Which, maybe I read this wrong, that makes absolutely no sense to me. Rather than laying 150 to win 100, you'd have to lay 230 to win hundred. That just seems crazy to me. You've cracked something here 10 minutes. When San Fran is the much better rushing team. I, I guess they think the Chiefs are going to be down at the 1 and definitely get a touchdown that way. The only thing I can think of is the possibility of
3: Mahomes running for a touchdown v. Garoppolo. But thats I still agree with you. That that's guess. That
1: seems, but seems wrong. It's, it's very weird. Got to um, make a call. My second one, total sacks by the 49ers. Over 2.5 is plus 130. I think... I think they'll get after Mahomes a little bit. I, don't, I think he's going to be kind of running for his life a little bit. Now, he's hard to bring down. So two and a half, three sacks right there on that line. That's why this is Vegas. Um, but <laughs> the under or the I should say the under two and a half is minus 150. So they think that's more likely to happen. But the over plus 130, I don't think that's too bad. Um, I would do that. And then real quickly, I mention this one. Who will the Super Bowl MVP mention first in his speech? <laughs> Uh, the favorite is teammates at plus one twenty five. God at plus two fifty. Give me God at plus two fifty. <laughs> family or family member at plus seven hundred. The city at plus five hundred. His coach at plus five hundred. The owner at plus fourteen hundred. Um, and does not mention any of them at plus five fifty, which is the most hilarious one that he just doesn't mention any any of these people that definitely helped him throughout the way. Um, he just
2: gets up there I and he says, "Wow, I really worked hard to get here, didn't I?" <laughs> pretty much,
1: it, it, it is
2: it is who he mentions first, so it's not that they're not included. in So it. I have a question there: if
3: Garoppolo wins it and mentions Shanahan's dad, is that a family member? Is that a coach? <laughs> that doesn't
1: count. That's plus five fifty. Is that an owner? I'd like to thank Mike. Shanahan, <laughs> for um, teaching his son how to coach me in this big game. And then we've teased my other one. So before I do
3: that, do you want to do yours? Yeah, I'll do my other. Okay. I got a, I got two. Uh, I'm cheating a little bit by adding another one, but two quick ones here. I mean, the odds on this first one are bad, but it just seems too obvious. Uh, will Joe Buck or Troy Aikman say the word Patriots? Yes. Oh, yeah. They're going to say the word Patriots when they talk about Shanahan's 28 to 3. Yep. Meltdown. That's going to be discussed. Yes is minus 270. I think it's guaranteed. Still going to win money. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then my other one, I did a little bit of research on this one, uh, Tim and Jace. Damien Williams. First rushing attempt. More or less than four yards. You've seen the 49ers play. Yeah. They're good Real against good. the run. I'm taking less than four and I'm betting a condo on it. Uh, it's minus 125. Damien Williams, in his last three games, his first carries have gone for three, three, and one yard. Wow. He's a notorious slow starter. He gets the ball on the first drive and just gets demolished by the 49ers front, and he gains zero yards. And you start you start your Super Bowl with just a nice win, and then you enjoy the game. That's, that's my guaranteed pick, is Damien Williams... His first
1: attempt will be for less than 4 yards I like that Alright, before we we mention this one I have to take you on a little bit of a tale Um, After the Chiefs won the AFC Championship To clinch a berth into Super Bowl Live As they're calling it down in Miami, LIV Andy Reid said he was going to go on a diet The next day, they asked him how he celebrated And he said, I had a cheeseburger And I went to bed (laughs) Now, a great night. I I can't complain with that night. That might be considered a diet to Andy Reid. I had one cheeseburger and went to bed. Maybe there's usually multiple. Maybe he was lying about the diet. I mean, look at the guy. Uh, first of all, I hope he wears shorts. By the way, on the sideline too. That should be another prop bet. <laughs> and with a Hawaiian shirt, that was a prop bet. I didn't. I don't have it right in front of me. But will he wear his Hawaiian shirt on the sidelines? I mean, the odds were crazy, obviously, because the NFL would not like that very much. But um thought that was interesting. But no, I'm going to go with a different one. Will Andy Reid eat a cheeseburger before the end of the Super Bowl broadcast? Now, if you want to be sensible and say no, minus 7,500. That's not a very good bet. Why not Andy Reid finally winning this Super Bowl? All this story about the flipping cheeseburger that he ate after – after clinching the berth, there's going to be a Chiefs guy with a cheeseburger and he's going to give it to Andy up on the podium if they win the Super Bowl at plus 1200 That means you bet 100 you win $1,200 stealing. by betting $100. Stealing. That's stealing money. If you think the Chiefs are going to win, put a fiver on Andy Reid chowing down on a Big Mac before the end of the broadcast. That's key. Not the end of the now, game. Tim, what does that mean when they say end of the broadcast? End of the broadcast means... All the way up, the celebrations, the maybe some locker room stuff, post-game interviews, Gatorade baths, all that fun stuff. Will Andy Reid consume a cheeseburger before the end of that at plus 1,200? Folks, I am giving you money if you think the Chiefs are going to win.
3: I, uh, no, I got a question,
1: Tim. What if it's uh, what if it's a plant-based burger
3: and they surprise him? If Burger King does a sponsored bit. Impossible with Burger that, uh, with the, Exactly. And uh, it's actually not... Uh, it's not an official cheeseburger. Is, is that a win or a
1: loss? That's offensive. That's of offensive. Hey, do you think Andy wouldn't be able to tell? Well, they, he's not like any of those. He's not like any of those idiots in the commercial. They're like, "Oh, this tastes like a real burger." It that's a man who knows his cheeseburger. Yeah. So he's gonna be like, "What is this garbage?" Just ridiculous. give me a real one. Okay. Okay. The, Jace, said, "I interrupt
3: you." Well, there with my I was very just gonna say if, note about if plant-based
2: burgers. If we see Andy Reid eating a cheeseburger uh, <laughs> on the broadcast, I have to do a deep dive into who has massive money on that prop within the Chiefs organization. It would have to Somebody. be an inside job, right? Like someone's like, hey man, if we five hundred bucks <laughs> we give this cheeseburger to Andy.
3: <laughs> oh boy. So next week we're obviously gonna do a Super Bowl recap. Mm-hmm. We promise, because these are a bit more fun than some other the other just standard lines. We will go back on these prop bets and see how we did <laughs> and see uh, the cheeseburger will be the first one we go. Over. Absolutely.
2: Especially if he one. I mean, if he eats a cheeseburger so, on the broadcast, I don't think we'll miss it. I think that'll be all that social media will be. <laughs> Wait, uh, Tim. Final. Does it doesn't count if they lose and he's eating a sad cheeseburger? Like they yeah. like cut to him in the like counts. like uh like the that infamous photo of Urban Meyer eating sad Papa Johns that goes around yep. after every Ohio State loss. Uh-
1: <laughs> you know what? That might even be more likely. Sad cheeseburger. What when I'm sad? I was say, I'm I would love bigger. a good Cheeseburger. <laughs> I think that is way more likely now that I think about it. And speaking of that. I think it will be a sad cheeseburger Because I'm going to flip my pick I'm going San Francisco (laughs) Pun intended there, Tim Yeah, yeah, thanks (laughs) San Francisco and the point Um, I think these teams are so close That I would just take the point I know, after all that Wow I'm I'm going San Fran I I said this game plays out in multiple ways In most of those ways the, The Chiefs win Something in my gut is telling me That it's going to go the way of the 49ers And as much as I would love to see Andy Reid win a Super Bowl, as much as I would love to see Patty Mahomes lift it and then maybe get a little lax in the offseason, maybe go party. Um, so the Baltimore Ravens could kind of slide in there. I'm picking San Francisco plus one. Please do not bet on that. Bet on the cheeseburger. <laughs> do not bet on that because by the time the game rolls around, I might be having a fiver on the Chiefs instead.
2: Yeah, I, I'm i sticking with the Chiefs. My gut, I want the – My gut says the 49ers, but the more I think on it, the more I just lean towards the Chiefs. I think it's the safe bet. I think they're I think they are the better team, mostly on the basis of Patrick Mahomes. But it should be fascinating. I'm very excited to see um, how it plays out. It's bizarre to me that I
3: think the 49ers are the better team. I think the Chiefs have the better player, and I think the Chiefs' speed is just going to be too much. For that the was the other, we didn't talk about their weapons a ton, but that was another thing. I, so many guys on the outside, on the inside, you know, on the sidelines, so many weapons, so much speed, and I think that ends up being too much for the 49ers and too much for Garoppolo to to overcome, frankly. So I'm taking the Chiefs minus one. The last thing we got to go over is this random Raven. Oh, boy. I'm going to go through these clues one more time. Probably the the toughest random Raven, but I thought for Super Bowl week, deep cut on this guy. So this random Raven was the number two wide receiver on the 2003 Baltimore Ravens. Ravens went 10-6, won the North that year. Jamal Lewis rushed for over 2,000 yards. I'll add in some more information. Travis Taylor was the number one receiver on that team. He started all 16 games. And this number two receiver only started five games because the Ravens, so often that year, ran a one receiver, two tight end, plus a fullback and a running back set, which in today's NFL would be sort of ridiculous. This wide receiver, whose number was 87, played nine years in the NFL, but only won for the Ravens in 2003, Five seasons, first with the Chicago Bears, where in one year he had 1,400 receiving yards. After the Ravens, he played three years with the Minnesota Vikings. In 2003 with the Ravens, this receiver led the team in touchdown receptions with six. Now I'm seeing some head scratching, so I'm going to add a clue here just for fun. And I I may go too far, but this is just the only random thing I could think of, and it's about as random as you can get. This wide receiver's last name features very prominently in a Simon and Garfunkel song.
2: And oh. I'm going to leave a few. Oh. <laughs>
3: oh. So that seems to have clued in one of the names, but we need both. We need both here for the random raven. Oh. Do I need to keep filling the air
1: time to stall no. As, as no. The, All right, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go... go. I will go Marcus
2: Robinson. <laughs> Marcus sounds yes. right. I don't I don't have a first name. Uh, if you want to know the names I'd write, written down, the guy I think you think I, that I thought it was. I know that phrase was confusing, was Demetrius Williamson. Uh, <laughs> but will, Williams, Williams, Demetrius William, 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 I'm combining I'm, him with someone, right? I think there was. Oh, I'm coming. Which I think Troy Williams' son, which was a Vikings yes. wide receiver around the same time, Demetrius Williams. And then the other name I wrote down was Darnell Dinkins. Which I, I was like, that can't possibly be right. I had, I had.
1: So my two, real quick, before the Robinson clue. I had DeVard Darling. Oh. <laughs> if anybody remembers it, I almost picked him this week. I almost picked him. And and then because I couldn't think and. I, I got my teams mixed up. I thought he started in Chicago when he actually started in Carolina and then went to Chicago. And maybe the Ravens were in there in between. I didn't know it, it was machine. That's Muhammad. what I
2: kept thinking. But I was like, I can't remember him. I was like, I would remember him on the Ravens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's
1: what I was thinking. But, yeah, I um, think Tim's so, right.
2: It sounds like Marcus. I think Marcus Robinson. Marcus Robinson.
3: The, the song by Simon and Garfunkel is Mrs. Robinson. Yeah. The wide receiver is Marcus Robinson. Woo! Congratulations, Ooh, Tim. Wow. This wide receiver caught 31 passes on a team that had, oh boy, Kyle Bowler and Anthony Wright as the quarterbacks that season. Uh, And then I think immediately after that, they realized that they, A, needed more weapons, more (laughs) receivers, and B, they needed a better quarterback.
2: Lamont Brightful was on this team. team. Marcus Robinson. What a a pull. How did I pull the two guys who wore 87 consecutively after him, but not him? I Demetrius Williams yeah, I mean, I'll give credit. Demetrius Jenkins. Williams
3: played Multiple seasons That's the only thing I'll say And that Marcus Robinson Was that classic One year uh, One year deal Kind of guy But Tim <laughs>
1: That's a snipe Thank you With Marcus Robinson It is really funny On pro football reference You're not kidding They list the offensive starters Two tight ends, one wide receiver. That's it. They don't even list him as a starter in this. That's crazy. Uh, uh, what an era with of Ravens
3: lineup, football that was. Jamal Lewis still rushed for 2,000 yards. Yep. So seemingly, they had 11 guys in the box in that lineup. Didn't, Didn't matter. matter. So that was the Random Raven. If any of the listeners got that, even specifically before the very important Simon and Garfunkel
1: clue, yes,
3: please let us know that you nailed it, and then we'll have you uh, maybe su- supply the deep, next
1: deep Random cut. Raven. I haven't
2: thought about that guy. Probably since 2004. <laughs> like the year after sure. he left the team. <laughs> uh, so that's uh, that's going to
3: do it for us. Jason, and I picking the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Tim taking the 49ers. It's going to be an awesome game. We will be back next week. We're going to recap that game. We're going to go through our prop bets. And then start looking to our, uh, to the offseason of the NFL, yeah. which seems uh, unbelievable. That, yeah. that it came it came and went so quickly. Four. Tim Horsey and Jace Evans. I'm Antonio Barbera. Thanks for listening to a very fun episode of Pod Like a Raven. We will see you all next week.